everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Clear the Dance Floor here on Radio Free Brooklyn with me, your host, Colby Smith. And folks, we got a lot of show to get to today, so we're just going to jump right into it. My guest today is a writer whose work has appeared in Vanity Fair, Airmail, Esquire, Elle, and so many more. She also wrote the book on Eve Babbitts in the form of Hollywood's Eve, Eve Babbitts in the Secret History of L.A. She's also the host of two narrative documentary podcasts, Once Upon a Time in the Valley, about the adult film actress Tracy Lords, and the blockbuster podcast hit of 2021, Once Upon a Time at Bennington College. And it's my great thrill to welcome her to the Radio Free Brooklyn Airwaves today. Lily Analik is here. Oh, my God. Oh, thank you for having me. can't believe I said that. <laughs> I've got to tell you that uh, I, I've been reading you for years because our, our mutual friend, uh, uh, James Walcott, told me about you uh, in like 2014 or something like that. Way back when. Very early on. Uh, but we did a road trip a couple, I guess, uh, last summer and listened to the whole Bennington thing, uh, like start to finish. And it was mesmerizing. Oh, I love that. That was so great. <laughs> I was stalking, I was stalking Brett for years, so that's, that's gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and he, cause you did a story on him and the canyons, I guess, that's way, right. way back when. Uh, is that the first time you'd met him? Yeah. That would have been 2013. I think okay. it came out in 2014, but, um, I remember just because it was the first, I had had my first son and, Christmas Eve of 2012, and it was the first time I left him to go see Brett. I, oh, yeah. re I remember that. Yeah. It's like June of 2013. Um, yeah. So I was at his, um, he always talks about it in his podcast, you know, somewhere below sunset on Doheny or however <laughs> yeah. he introduces it. It was that apartment. And, um, I was nervous, you know, he's kind of got a deadpan affect. Mm -hmm. He's nerve wracked. He's, um, he's unnerving. I would say he's an unnerving presence. Unnerving to listen to sometimes, I think. He, he, yeah. yeah. No, he is. He's unnerving and kind of, I guess, on the page and in person. And, and I was trying to make conversation and I saw on his bookshelf he had that. Um, kind of first edition of the secret history, which was a book I knew well. I read it a lot when I was in high school, yeah. you know, and so I remembered it was dedicated to him and that's sort of how the Bennington thing started. And then, then we became, I think maybe a year, he, he actually liked that piece. He liked that piece, even though it wasn't particularly flattering, but he liked <laughs> it. And we became friends after that. And then he would let me talk to him about Bennington all the time. And oh, yeah. then, then I made it formal. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. Well, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I have a few questions about this. Sure. I mean, I think the biggest one is, I think a lot of people, what's remarkable to me about this story about the Bennington class of 86, which is like, we should just say for people is like Jonathan Litham, uh, uh, Donna Tart, Brett Easton Ellis, and many other remarkable characters yeah. are all, uh, in college together in this tiny college in the hills of Vermont. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who like go to college and are involved in some kind of like arts thing, whether it's like, you know, the school newspaper or like the, 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 in my case, the improv group or people yeah. like that, you think, it's you think all your friends are very special. I mean, yeah. I remember like being in college and being like 19 and being like crazy that I'm just here with the next cast of Saturday Night Live. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But usually what happens is you go, you grow up and you you realize it's a childish fantasy. You know? Yeah, of course. But all those people had that feeling validated in some way yeah. like by the larger cultural world. And so to hear it, you know, you kind of take us into to, you know, the the annals of that uh, page of history was like is incredible. Yeah, and it was weirder than that, too, just because, I mean, I knew the secret history so well, and it seems like a fantastical novel. It seems yeah. like, it almost seems like kind of Harry Potter for people who are older, right. sort of, you know. Yes. And it was, it, it, how Romana Clay it turned out to be was really shocking. And then, of course, Brett, Brett had done it as well in um, Rules of Attraction. Mm -hmm. And Jonathan does it in The Fortress of Solitude. So they were all writing about each other in that place, yes. you know, so compulsively. 
And it was so, it wasn't just that it was tiny. It was that it had no standards almost at all. Like you didn't have to have gone, you didn't have to have a high school diploma, no SAT scores. Right. Uh, it, it was, it was kind of, if you wanted to go, go there, you could go there. Mm-hmm. But and I think it had that, it was the most expensive school at the time in America and it had the highest attrition rate. So it was so particular, wow. you know, it was such a particular a place. Yeah. yeah. Have you been to the campus? The, the weirdest thing is no. Okay. Yeah. I, well, what, I think when I was doing the podcast, it was during COVID and it was shut down. Right. And then it was, it's closed for very weird periods, like long extended periods. They, they can't afford, ex- as expensive as it is, they can't afford to heat themselves in the Vermont winter. <laughs> so it's closed for bizarre amounts of time. I just, it was, it never worked out, you know? Yeah. I've only, I've only driven through it. Uh, and it was like after, after hearing the show and I was just like, this is it. Like, this is going to be, and it's just yeah. the most unremarkable. Like, oh God, that's like, bad. I mean, it's like yeah. very beautiful. I mean, Vermont's yeah. like a very beautiful place, but it's like as a campus, I was, I was expecting some like electricity or yeah. something, you know, and it's just like, it's just like a college. It's yeah, like, it's just like a, 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 any other college. Yeah, I couldn't, I don't think I could, I don't think I could bear to have that experience. I was always curious about the end of the world, you know, that, that's, it's like a spot on the commons where I guess it looks like, it's just a little drop off, but I guess mm-hmm. it looks like the world, the world ends there. I don't know. I, I, it would probably, my head would probably explode if I actually went there. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. 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 Have you gotten any, uh, um, responses from that that like took you by surprise? Cause this feel, I mean, maybe I this surprised. is a, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was surprised that Donna was so upset, you know, cause right. it had started as a, like an extended oral history for Esquire magazine. It was their, um, summer issue, I think 2019. Uh-huh. I think that's right. But it was a hugely long piece. It was 10,000 words in the magazine and 14,000 words online. Um, so I figured I would have heard if she was unhappy, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, I knew she didn't want to talk because she doesn't talk. But mm-hmm. I think David Lipsky made me laugh. Like when she started to come out with these orders to shut the podcast down and kind of all this litigious talk. And he said it was like you got, you kind of got Athena down from Mount Olympus, <laughs> you know, cause she doesn't, you know, she's above earthly shit like this that you, right. you would have thought. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was the most surprising, but it was yeah. helpful. It was helpful because it got publicity for the podcast. So right, thank you, course. Donna. Yeah. Right, right. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's so, it's interesting because it's not like it's like some hit job on her no. either. I feel like it's, no. it's perfect. Like it's, she's so, such a compelling figure in it. It's, I mean, it's not like a, it's not a hagiography about her, but it's like, no, I, she it's, comes off perfectly fine. <laughs> I just think she had a lot of secrets about her background or yeah, I, I, she yeah. just seemed secretive and kind of, um, into self mythology um as brett is brett's into that too but brett's so great because um brett has a weirdly um detached attitude toward toward his own persona yes and he kind of likes to discuss it with you it's almost an impersonal thing with him um so he he finds all that stuff really interesting so he's he's great that way whereas i guess i guess for don it was it was not impersonal um (laughs) (laughs) but no i thought the book was so important and you know i i I, I love that book. So oh, I, I was yeah. surprised she was so so cranky about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I I have some questions about Brett too. If that's sure, okay. I of mean, course. Because the uh, you you obviously spent a lot of time with him, and yeah. uh, as as part of my you know, I listened to you guys together on his show oh, way yeah. back when, and I I was sort of like couldn't believe it was as long ago as it was. It was like I was like, well, this is just yesterday that Lily was on that. I'll have all these questions yeah. ready for, her. and it was like four years ago. It or was something. A, it, yeah pre pre both podcasts. It was right. just after the Eve book. That's, yeah, that's my memory. Yeah, yeah. and so. It, I listened to an uh, interview with you where uh, on How Long Gone, where you oh, described yeah. him as uh, our Andy Warhol. And I, I wondered if that. you wanted to expand on that a little bit, because I feel like that idea is in the show, but maybe it not uh, zeroed in on in the same he, way. Yeah, no, no. He just um, I always feel like kind of he's the artist of our times. And mm-hmm. if you don't <laughs> if you don't like that, 
take it up with the times. Right. You know, it's the same with Warhol. Like yeah. they, I remember this guy, um, Brad Gooch gave me this great description of what it was like to be in his apartment. I think this is in the late or early, late eighties, early nineties. And he said, you kind of come back from doing whatever depraved shit you'd been doing, whatever party you'd been to, whatever you'd, whatever dinner, whatever thing you'd, you'd done with him. And then you'd go back to his apartment and it was, I think it's the apartment Patrick Bateman lives in, in American Psycho. It's uh-huh. the same. He always is doing that. At any rate, it was very white, very minimalist, no mess. Um, almost nothing in it except kind of state of the art stereo equipment, you know, for media stuff. And he'd kind of lay out cocaine on the table and you could kind of do that. And then he'd have these certain magazines he wanted you to look at. And often it would maybe be an article about him or an article about something he found interesting. Yeah. And he'd curated some kind of pop music, some kind of odd pop music he wanted you to hear and <laughs> some thing on a television show he needed you to see. And I just felt like his antenna was up on the culture always. And he was always just taking in. And there's a, there's a kind of a passive open quality to him that allows him to just sort of absorb what's going on around him. I mean, m- probably I love Lunar Park, but yeah. Yeah. Lunar Park is so good. It's so good. It's just so, it's so great. And it's, it's kind of like where he dismantles American Psycho and it's its origin story and a kind of dismantling of it. But the thing that he did that maybe I love best is his essay on Charlie Sheen and Empire. Yes. Yeah. 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 You yeah. Know? I was going to ask you, this is Empire post Empire. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only, and he wrote, he wrote it, this must have come out in 2012, 11, 12. Mm-hmm. And it's about Charlie Sheen. Uh, but if you read it, you could see Trump coming, right? Yeah. You understood everything that was coming. You understood exactly where the culture was going. And he saw it before anybody and he gave it a name. I think in those terms, I think in terms of empire and post empire, anytime I see an artist, yeah. I read a book, everything. It's an incredibly helpful framework yes. for like making sense of the world. Yeah. And I, and I became friends with this. I recently became friends with this guy named Josh Klinghoffer. I think I'm saying his name right. And he was with the Chili Peppers for 10 years, but he's young. Uh-huh. Too young, too young for sure to have been a founding member. He's born in 79. And he's really obsessed with this because I'm born in 78. Yeah. And he's quite obsessed with us tail end Gen Xers, <laughs> you know, because you're straddling empire and po- and he, not only was he, not only is, was he in Chili Peppers for 10 years, but Josh is now in Pearl Jam. And he'd been Jane's addiction, kind of all these, oh my God, yeah. you know, institutions, these yeah, yeah. Gen X institutions, <laughs> you know, and it's just, and he, like, had he been born 10, 10 years earlier, he'd have, I think his own band that was like that. Right, right. You know, it's just, it's just, and it's, you're born at this time when it's, that's what you were looking to achieve or that those were your ideals and it all kind of crumbled beneath your feet. Yeah. So I think he related to the podcast, which I guess was doing something like that, that with Gen <laughs> X writers, you know? Yeah. Um. Well, I think it, it, part of what I think is so interesting about like Empire Post Empire is that it explains why there is so much sustained interest in like the pop art of the mid century or like the post war yeah. period, like those couple decades. Like, I mean, leading up probably to like the nineties. I mean, maybe for with sure some the nineties. You know, for sure. Uh, there's like there's no it, there's just so much. I feel like did you see that documentary that came out last year that Meet Me in the Bathroom that was based on the the book about like the Strokes and, and no, uh, and but I will. All that was stuff. it good? It, the I think the book was better. Yeah. Uh, it, it had a little like broader scope, but yeah. I, I saw the documentary and I was kind of like I was like, wow, this is kind of the last little breath of 
it's like 2001, 2003, like this kind of era of like the, the MTV still being kind of, it Relevant. could kind of make or break people. Yeah. And uh, I was like, wow, this really went away like a, in a snap after this, like after these guys. And that's really last gasp. Like, I feel like that's car- almost holdover. I mean, yeah. one of the people who got, oh, I, <laughs> I should have said this as opposed to Donna. Um, Courtney Love was into the podcast and she was writing about it on Instagram and we corresponded for a period. <laughs> she got angry with me, but <laughs> I, I didn't do anything actually. I really didn't do anything, but, she, but, but, but I, I thought. Free Lily Analyck. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 actually, I love it when she yells at me. She did it the day before Mother's Day. Sometimes she just has a spasm where she gets angry with me. I, I don't know from whence, 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 whence the anger comes. But at any rate, I, she, she felt, she, she was telling me that she was supposed to be in that class. Bennington as well and her age is exactly right she's born in 1964 which is um and it seems improbable but absolutely possible but um you know we talked a lot about her what she was doing right around the time she should have been going to Bennington or leading up to I always felt that kind of Courtney and Kurt were really the last gasp I feel like 1994 is a huge demarcation Mm -hmm. um I think about that too because like Kurt dies in 1994 um, lived through this. That's, you know, her album came out in 1994. And I love Britney Spears. I mean, I absolutely love her, <laughs> but she's a totally different kind of thing. I mean, to me, she's oh, yeah. like, but like Elvis, but that kind of Mouseketeer generation would just take over. Like that was, uh, um, hit me baby one more time is 1998. Mm-hmm. It's so close. Yeah. But it seems like such a, such a different era. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like miles away. I mean, like when I was when I was a kid in the 90s, yeah. we uh, in the car all the time was this thing called Radio Disney. Are you oh, aware God, of this? No, but I, I wish I don't know if I wish I were. Or I wish I weren't there. I mean, I don't <laughs> know if it's still like a, a, a around, but there it was like a new thing where like Disney had a national radio network at the time that was just playing exactly the kind of thing you're talking about, like all the bubblegum hits of the yeah. day. So it was like nonstop Britney Spears was like a big uh, like uh, thing in her career that yeah. she was like playing on, on uh, Radio Disney all the time. Like it made her like yeah. one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was just yeah. like, it's a sinister marketing uh, uh, no, ploy, you know, but it's also like, you know, that's where the, it's like the transformation was complete. You know, it's like we now like radio this had been us. co-opted by the biggest, you know, media conglomerate in the world. Uh, and it's only continued since then. Well, and, but it, it, no, of course, no, absolutely. It's only continued, but she always like really captured my imagination. And I always felt that she was like a kind of a porn star masquerading as a pop star. And I, I always thought when I did the Tracy Lord thing, that. that's great. It's true. You know, <laughs> really true in her. I love her. I mean, I think she's great. But a different kind of thing. But, but, but where I was going with this was one of the guys I talked to a lot. He, he wouldn't do a formal interview, but Gregory Dark. Okay. And he did Tracy Lord's most famous movie called New Wave Hookers, which came out in, I think, 84. Uh-huh. Um, and he was considered like avant garde for the porn scene. And he kind of changed the way porn movies were made. Kind of a depraved character, you know what I'm sure, saying? Sure. Right. It was the Dark Brothers, and his partner was a guy named Walter Dark, called himself Walter, and he got in touch too during the podcast. He was living in Bolivia or something crazy like that. Anyway, I don't mean to get off topic, but um Greg Dark kind of reinvented himself and he was doing music videos in the late nineties, and he was doing the most insipid. I love the kind of the sexed out Britney, but he was doing her most insipid, like from the bottom of my broken heart off her first album. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, and he was doing Mandy Moore and it was just, it was wild to see. 
him there because it was like he, he was making it explicit what was implicit. Mm-hmm. Do you know? They have a, a major pornographic figure doing the videos doing for the video. these girls. Wow, you know? yeah. Man. Underage girls was his thing, I guess. That's wild. It was. Like, America can be so great when you, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, have you seen Crossroads? Of course. <laughs> of course I've seen Crossroads. I saw it big twice. <laughs> no, I have no questions about it. Just thought I'd ask. Yeah, no, no, no. I can, I can. The affirmative. So, um, I, I, I really liked her when she was doing. Um, I thought she was so great on those MTV Music Awards, like oh, the yeah. before, like a showgirl, like all the. I, I just, to me, she was Elvis. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, definitely, definitely. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I did like the one time I never. I don't think I've ever gone to a concert in my life, but I talked Graydon into sending me to her. When she was when she was starting her Vegas residency. Oh yeah, and it it was wild. It was it was the day of my 39th birthday, so I saw this on August 9th, two thousand and eighteen. That's when I saw it. My brother, okay. I dragged my brother with me, and actually, I saw Brett for dinner the night before. <laughs> we met him for sushi. He was there shooting something. Anyway, in Vegas, in Vegas, that's, and he, wow, that's perfect. And after our dinner, we had like a four or five hour dinner, and he left Vegas. He just got in his car and drove home. He didn't finish the shoot. He was spooked. <laughs> Funny, right? Anyway, that next night, yeah, it was funny. That would have been on August 8th. So on August 9th, we went and saw um, Brittany. And it was wild because it was was like my brother is exactly her age. They're both born in 81. And it was this moment where you could actually see like millennial nostalgia starting. Like her show was no new songs. It was all – and the crowd knew every word. And it was – yeah, it was – yeah, it was something else. Wow. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. That no, no, that. please. I feel like Brett's the perfect person to see before, before seeing Britney Spears because he he has such a connection to Lindsay Lohan now because of the canyons. You know, I love Lindsay too. Yeah, those girls were great. It was like I and it, I, I Paris's current incarnation does not interest me. Like as a mother and you know complaining, I, I, I don't like I don't like her new incarnation, but I loved <laughs> her at the time. Oh, you know? for sure. Oh my god, those girls were great. Absolutely. Ugh. <sighs> If you're just joining us, my guest is Lily Analik, and we're talking about, I, I guess, the uh, the, the mid aughts uh, uh, yeah. girls, you know, <laughs> mid aughts. Yes, that that was the last great era for me. I loved all those girls. Yeah. I, I think like they they um, Radika at Vanity Fair let me write about Bimbo Summit. You know. Oh yeah. Those girls were great. Yeah, it was a great moment. Yeah. Well, I'd love to uh, hop coasts here for a second. Yeah, sure, uh, of course. Uh, and uh, talk a little bit about Los Angeles. Sure. Because uh, you know, here we are. We're in uh, we're in Brooklyn. You you live here. I live here. And yet, not LA, Brooklyn. Well, you I don't live in, in Brooklyn. Tri- no, yeah, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to. You know. No, I don't want to take credit for something I you're don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Do you get out here much? Well, my kids my kids are in school in Brooklyn. Gotcha. So yes. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm okay. in Brooklyn constantly. In okay. <laughs> And yet there is something about L.A. is in like so much of your work, not only, you know, Once Upon a Time in the Valley and the book about Eve Babbitts, but also, I mean, like your your piece about David Lynch, which I'd love to get to at some <sighs> point. Uh, as some I just of, took my very young kids, my, my okay. 8 and 10-year-old to see Mulholland Drive for the first <laughs> really? time. really? Yeah. I took them. They're playing at IFC and I'm like, oh, big screen, you know, I cannot not do it. Yeah. I'd already taken them to see Lost Highway, but I don't know. Mulholland seemed like the next level up. <laughs> what did they think? Oh, they were so into it because they're boys and it's so like, it's like that's a very sexed out movie. Oh, yeah. Big time. I mean, Lost Highway, too. 
Lost Highway is <laughs> insane. I actually think Lost Highway was like is like great on both Hollywood and the Valley. He understands yeah. that divide. Ugh, it's because Lost Highway doesn't have that reputation, but it's it's my second favorite Lynch after Mulholland. I love oh, yeah. Lost Highway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I had seen it years ago, but then whenever they did the remastered, uh, yes, uh, version Lincoln last Center, at Lincoln Center, I went. I and dragged saw them it. then when they were nine and seven. <laughs> That's where we saw it. The Mystery Man didn't uh, didn't freak them out. It all freaked them out. They loved it. You know, they loved it. I and I, I, I think I, because I had done that piece, I knew a bunch of people in the Lynch world. Yeah. And I, the, the one I actually really knew pretty well was Joanna Ray, who was his casting director. Mm-hmm. But uh, I knew Mary Sweeney. We met for a drink, who was his editor. And I mean, his, a legend. A legend. She yeah. was absolutely incredible. And I sent her a picture. I got Archie, who's my little one. He was wearing his Lost Highway t-shirt, you know. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, you were going to ask me a question. I didn't mean to. Oh well, well just uh, uh, I feel like the I, I really what I want to do is is put you in that awkward position where I read back a paragraph. Oh that you yeah, wrote sure, this, sure, sure. Uh, okay, yeah. Because I I feel like it's both it's so good on on Lynch and like the city and just like what he's what he's bringing to it. Um, and it's it goes like this. Okay. <laughs> Lynch is the best pornographic director America's ever produced, along with the best art house. How he sees is erotic. His rhythm, slow and sensuous, is erotic. What he does to time, the way he contorts it, makes it seethe, throb, pulsate, so that every beat of it feels charged with fear and desire is erotic. Mulholland Drive is the road, uh, Mulholland Drive the road traces its sinuous path through the Santa Monica Mountains, affording spectacular views of Hollywood, home of the movie industry, but also of San Fernando Valley, home of the porn. And if the geographical separation between the two industries is narrow, the psychological isn't even that. The porn industry overtly is about what the movie, movie industry is covertly. Sex and fantasy, objectification and exploitation. It's the movie industry without the pretense or the hypocrisy. Damn. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny just to hear just from watch, just having watched the movie. Yeah. I, yes, I stand behind all of that. Of you know? Yeah. Oh, it's so right on. I, it, t- calling Lynch like a, a pornographic director, I feel like it's something that a lot of people circle, but no one just like outright says. For uh, sure, though, right? But it's, so, I mean, it's like, it, it's everywhere. Everywhere. In his work. It's just how he looks and sees. And it probably why, even though he's art house, my kids can stand it. Um, but <laughs> I just, um, yeah. And it's, did you watch, did you watch Twin Peaks? Did you watch The Return? I sure did. I was going to ask you about this. Tell me what your opinion was. Well, I, I liked it quite a lot, but, uh, uh, I feel like that sexiness we're talking about is, is largely absent. It's so interesting you say that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, the eroticism is not there. Mm-hmm. I, I found it. I, I, I made Ike, my older son, we watched the whole thing and it was, took us a couple of months, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's got slow parts. Oh, yeah. It felt completely. There was, it was thrilling for me by the ending, but you're right. And I wonder if that's just a man's life. Like he's so much older. Yeah. You know, it's just, it could be, you know, I mean, he's all, what is he's 80 now? Not quite. I think Not he's born the same year as my father, 1946, okay. I okay. want to say. So mid seventies, you know? Yeah. Moving on up to, to late. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's interesting. It, it I, I really liked the show and I remember at the time being very, uh, into the idea that he was being so withholding with, yeah, with I was Cooper too. and, and all that, especially because it was like, you know, so much stuff was getting rebooted then. I mean, even on TV. Yeah. You know, it was fraudulent. Pathetic. Shows that, yeah. Pathetic. Exactly. Pathetic sellout bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. And he's not going to do that. Uh, but, yeah. I, but yeah, it's like that because the show too is so sexy. The original yeah, run. I, I, what I remember so well, my parents didn't like in weird ways. They like my mom. My mom was very watchful, <laughs> but nobody cared what I watched or what I read. They let me do anything that way. Uh-huh. And in my mind, they had not let me watch Twin Peaks. 
that was the one thing, but that isn't true. I think what had happened was I was frightened by it. And I remember my babysitter loving it when I was little. And I remember listening to the theme song <laughs> and everything like kind of sexual and violent and upsetting that I was intuiting from the <laughs> song was absolutely true. It's one of the only yes. things that kind of lives up to your childhood expectations. Yeah. But you're right. The show, the original show really was very sexy. The, the, it, yeah, this was a different thing. Mm -hmm. It was a different thing. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, um, I heard people at the time. I, I feel like it was like very rapturously received. Oh, because uh, people are kiss asses. That's also. They really, I, yeah, 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 right? yeah. But also, I mean, like Twin Peaks. I used to I used to, to joke that if I, I wanted to talk to a girl at an art party, I would just talk about Twin Peaks loudly in the room. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like even before it came back, it it's had this this yeah. afterlife that has only grown in in oh, the, yeah. the year since. Yeah, and he has such a great eye. I always think what's funny is like actually I remember Joanna Ray was the I never sought out a casting director when I was doing a piece before, mm -hmm. but I always I think in Lynch movies, like actors are better with him than they are with anyone else. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're a good actor or a bad actor. They're just better with him. <laughs> yes. So I was so curious to know how he casted. And I remember we talked about Maholland. You know, that's what we were talking about. And I was like, you know, I've seen Justin Thoreau and other things. Uh, Thoreau, a Bennington person. Yeah. Just just throwing that out there yeah. later. But <laughs> anyway, as a, you know, and he's really like banging. You know, he's really sexy guy. And I'm like, you know, not in Mulholland Drive at all. He looks like a nerd. And yeah. she was saying it was so funny to her because she had really responded to him, you know, when she met him. <laughs> you know, she said he was just, you know, um, you know, quite foxy. And, you know, then he's in these drapey clothes. And I, I feel like he has no feel for um sexual men. Like right. he doesn't they don't interest him at all. It's mm -hmm. really only Bobby for me, it's like only Bobby and Twin Peaks like escapes this. He's the only, I don't even know why I'm bringing this up. It's just, I guess we're talking about sexiness and Twin Peaks, but I just, it's like he doesn't want the guy in there at all. And I wonder if that's why Mulholland Drive works so well. He just gets yeah. rid of the guy. Right, 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 right. The guy that does not interest him and he does not want to look at. Right. Well, especially because like, I mean, Kyle McLaughlin, I feel like you could argue is just like the cuter Lynch, you know? Yeah, you could. Uh, yeah, for sure. But he's not really used in that way past blue velvet i mean he's in twin peaks obviously but david lynch is in twin peaks you know so, right. he doesn't need a surrogate because he himself is in the show having trouble with his hearing yeah you're yeah. you're totally right yeah you know he you're, you're, i guess it's like i was in a before we were in tribeca we were in chelsea and kamal clocklin was not only in the building he was on the same like side of the building. So he would always hold the elevator for me. And it's like, I also love showgirls. So I would always oh, get excited. Yeah. He couldn't have been nicer. He just doesn't. And he's handsome, but he just doesn't mm -hmm. have like, like, like sex energy for me. Oh yeah. 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 You know, I, he's great in blue velvet. Oh yeah. And he's actually, he looks the best. He looks is as Dale Cooper, that yeah. suit, you know, and the hair slicked back. Absolutely. But I mean, I'm just not responding to him that way. Whereas like the way he uses women, you know, it's just different. For sure. Do you like wild at heart? No. Oh, here I, we go. I, I really don't like it. <laughs> go on. No, there's, I, it, and it's weird because actually I love Barry Gifford. And Barry yeah. Gifford wrote this. I love his books. And he wrote the script with Lynch for um, Lost Highway, which is one of my favorite. I don't know if I don't react well to Nicolas Cage. I mean, yeah, that's valid. It's valid, right? Yeah, I, sure. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't respond to it at all. Um, when I don't respond to a Lynch movie, I really don't respond so I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how yeah. how to parse that. And I love Elvis, <laughs> but even the Elvis thing doesn't interest me in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it, it, a lot of people like it's. There's a lot of very overt 
symbolism in that. Yeah, like, maybe there's that's the, it. The Wizard the Oz. of Oz stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and of course, Laura Palmer shows up as the good witch at the end of the movie. Yes, that's all right. And I think <laughs> yes. even Audrey's in it. Audrey has that is a car accident yeah. victim or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. It just doesn't work on me. I don't. It has no. It doesn't have the magic. I I, I also wonder just when. No, I know I actually just don't like that movie because I've tried to rewatch it, but like Lost Highway was the first Lynch I saw. Mm. So, I mean, I was so struck by it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Inland Empire has kind of fascinating moments for me, but I don't, you know, I don't really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one. It is. Inland Empire. <laughs> oh, I always feel like I can tell someone's phony if they tell me that's their favorite Lynch. Yeah. I, know. I mean, come on. <laughs> and I actually felt weirdly vindicated in my conversation with Mary Sweeney. She explained to me that there was no, we were just talking at that point. It wasn't the interview. It was just, just talking. I don't know. And she just said that there was no script for that. It started yeah. out with stuff. So, so for anybody to tell me it's coherent or can cohere or co- coheres like at an unconscious level, I just know they're full of it. Right. Well, and didn't he, didn't they make it over a period of several years yeah. too, where like it wasn't continuous as a production either? It has like fascinating moments. Like I remember there, like there, like where you can see the power of acting. Like Laura Dern has like some really good scenes, and yeah, there's that locomotion. I remember really liking the <laughs> yeah. locomotion. Yeah, that is fun. Yeah, but it's like as a whole thing, I I just I get impatient. Yeah, you know? totally. Bring it back to to Mulholland though. I I mean, it's it's been cool because we're 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 just a few months out of the sight and sound poll, where I think it's oh, at yeah. its highest spot at all uh, or that it's it ever been it's at number eight now oh all right uh, yeah. I mean, it's for me. one baby yeah. my favorite <laughs> um fuck you sound sight and sound you don't get it um no it's so great i mean maybe you know you brought up that i write about la well i guess probably because to me to me that's the best movie about hollywood mm-hmm. in los angeles you know or i was gonna say in los angeles but really los angeles is a stand-in for hollywood so maybe right. that's why it's so seductive for me right right yeah I mean, do you feel a uh, uh, do you feel like a particular draw to LA as a subject just because you you have you know kind of returned to it time and again, or is it kind of like that's just how it's broken out? You know what I mean? No, no, it's like it's it's, it's a funny thing for me because my um, I grew up in Boston and my mom had one sister uh, and and they both they grew up in Boston and then the sister and her husband and the kids moved out when I was eleven to mm-hmm. um, Los Gatos, which is. Um, outside of San Jose, kind of San Francisco-y. And we would go there every year. Um, but I did never, never went to LA and I was kind of frightened and intimidated by it. And, um, I played tennis at Princeton. Okay. <laughs> I played tennis at Princeton and myself. <laughs> so I don't know the, the shame. Yeah. The shame just, coming from you right now. Well, I don't know if people can hear. <laughs> yes. It's coming off me in waves. It's not really shame. I just, I just know how it sounds. Um, so awareness of, of, of what I'm revealing about myself. Right. Um, but my sophomore year, we went to Los Angeles to play like in January and at the thrill of being there, I just remember like, you know, they're making fun of me. Like my head was out the car window, yeah. you know, and it's oh, just, for sure. it's, it's, and I, what I remember is there was a party for us and it was in the Hills and the girls taking our car, they were called the valet girls and they were also, you know, really pretty. They were, must have all been actresses. It was just, it just had such a, it, it felt like nothing else to me. Yeah. It totally seductive. So, and I think the, the, the writer I read, I was always, I could never sleep. I've never been able to sleep and I've always been a reader. Um, but the writer who was probably most important to me when I was in high school and in college was Pauline Kael. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I got some questions ready about Pauline. Oh, Pauly. I'm very, can, can't <laughs> wait, but she was so important to me and, you know, she's writing about the movies. I think for years I thought I was interested in movies, but really I was interested in her and probably yeah. Hollywood, you know? Anyway, so I'd read so much about it. So it was so 
I don't know. I, I don't, I have no, and then it's weird that my initials happen to be LA, you know? Yeah. Which is all strange, you know? Not <laughs> no, to sound like a hippie. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But it's true. It's like, I think growing up on the East Coast too is it just looks so different it's there. So different. It's so compelling. Uh, I remember, I mean, like the first time I went, just like putting up the window thing on the plane and just being like, oh, wow. It, this like, is it. It really looks like that, you know? Like, yeah. And like weird, thrilling things like, you know, if you've seen like, um, like I, as a little kid, I watched, um, um, uh, singing in the rain yeah, a lot. Yeah. And so I remember being on Sunset and I came to the intersection of Sunset and Camden. And mm. I remember that's where like Don Lockwood jumps into, you know, Debbie Reynolds' car and or she pauses, she goes, Sunset and Camden. Yeah. And like the thrill or like I loved Clueless, you know, and I would start to get jokes like why why it was embarrassing to go to a party in the valley. I, you do, <laughs> just like LA just had such, it's, it's, it's so mythologized. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know? Do, do you think, does New York not hold the same kind of like, um, no, it doesn't hold on you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Why not. do you think that is? I just think there's something, New York's just too big. It's too big. Uh-huh. It's too polyglot. No, no one person, no one thing can dominate New York in the way that LA just seems, and maybe it's just like fantasy. Like if you're into movies and fantasy and all, it just seems like a state of mind, whereas New York just seems, um, I mean, I love living here. Yeah, I, I way prefer to live here than in LA. LA is just too diffuse, but but it, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I don't get. It doesn't thrill me in that right. same way. Right. I, I, I'm, and there's no. There's no reason. I mean, there's no reason for this. No, but that's course. how it is. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Uh, uh, should we talk about Pauline? Since we're kind of yeah. like knocking on the door. Uh, you did your your thesis on Pauline. Yes, at, I did at Princeton. At Princeton, <laughs> I did my senior year. That's right. Uh, you, what was the topic? I don't, I was so young and dumb. I mean, it was kind of the beginning of like my journalism career because I learned how to, I learned what it meant to interview people and to chase right, people right. down. Um, because she, she was un like her number was unpublished. I wasn't sophisticated with the internet. The internet wasn't that sophisticated then. And I remember I interviewed Jed Pearl, the art critic who'd written a piece on her and I went to his house and he pulled out a letter that she'd written him and upside down I could see the envelope I was reading it upside down and that's uh-huh. how I got her address so then the next weekend I, I I drove a letter out to her you know from from Princeton it was like 10 hours in the car yeah you went up to Great Barrington right I went up to yeah. Great Barrington because I wanted her I didn't want there to be a stamp on it I wanted my desperation I wanted my desperation to show and I put it in her mailbox and then she called me the next day and then I went back the next weekend no kidding so you spent time with her I didn't, I didn't know that yeah, like it was like six hours and it's, it's weird. I think I was so nervous. I actually retain almost no memory of that day. Wow. Yeah. I remember how, how nice she was to me. She was really nice to me. And I remember I'm not tall. I'm five, five, but she was so tiny. And I remember she complimented me on being tall, which yeah. I, that was the only time that ever happened to me <laughs> in my life. And I remember she talked about Ginger Rogers having a great figure. And I remember her expressing, I, here's what I remember. This is probably the only useful thing. I yeah, brought yeah. up the Renata Adler piece. That yeah, hit sure, piece. sure. And she gave this, she just was, she gave this little shrug and she said, have you seen, have you seen a picture of her? And I said, yeah. And she just said, well, what can you say about a woman her age, her wear, her wears her hair in a braid? (laughs) Not great. It was so great. It was such a great response. That's awesome. (laughs) And then she was dead so soon after that. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. It was really the end. Oh, man. So I just got in, I got in under the wire. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I mean, I feel like, I mean, tell me if I'm I'm wrong about this, but I feel like her reputation in the last like several years has kind of like taken a hit Uh, just in the way that, just in the way that people like go out of fashion and they come back. You know, I don't think there's any any reason behind it really. It's just like, it's just not the time. I I don't know. You're right. But 
It seems that yeah. way to me. No, I just feel like they don't. People don't know about her anymore. And I guess to mm. me, she's. I mean, obviously, I love Eve. Obviously, I mean, I'm devoted. Yeah, um, Eve's a different thing. But you know, Joan Didion, Janet Malcolm, Susan Sontag, Pauline. I mean, mm. of course, Pauline's my favorite, and I love Malcolm too. Those are my two favorite. Oh, of I mean, the amazing. best, right? Yeah, amazing, incredible. I actually don't understand. I actually understand why Pauline would go um, into Eclipse, not because she's not great, but just because the subject she was writing about, you know, it, people aren't, you know, it, it, she was writing about something that was very specific to a time and place. For sure. Yeah. Even though you don't need to be into the movies to read her and she's just the best. I mean, oh, yeah. I just, I just think like she wrote this great review of, I said, Smile. It was a, a movie that was a really it was a it was a all kind of black cast, really about the Supremes, mm-hmm. and she talks about what it is to be a woman artist, and it's just so oh, knockout. Wow. Oh, she's just so good. I just think she's like you know she's my favorite. Yeah, I, yeah. I love everything about her. Yeah, but like I'm always surprised Janet Malcolm because Janet Malcolm, you know, like the the, the book on journalism. I mean, people know that, but yeah. the Sylvia Plath book is my favorite of her books. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's just so, it's just so good. It's like such a great detective story and, um, she's so perverse and she can really write, you know? Oh, yeah. So I just, I, I, and I think she'd be a much better influence on people than Didion. Didion, who's a great prose writer, but has a lot of sloppy feelings and Mm -hmm. really kind of self-indulgent girl talk. Like, like, (laughs) like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like that, like indulging in your, being a young woman in the city. And I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's, 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 she was great at it, but I feel like her imitators never are. Totally. They're legion. Well, that, that like leaving New York essay oh. of Didion's is like so embarrassing. It's All like, of it. Yeah. And then she just comes back. <laughs> That's the funniest thing about that. Is yeah. That she comes back. <laughs> comes back like a couple of years later. She's back in 80. I think she comes back in 88. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When she really, she kind of, she and John had kind of played out their cards in Hollywood right. and they want to come back and be regarded as serious and write for the New Yorker. Yeah. No, I mean. It's just if there was going to be imitators, it would be better if they were imitating Pauline and, and, and Janet. Yeah. It's my feeling. Yeah. No, I I mean, I can only agree. <laughs> I mean, Pauline is so fascinating. And I feel like she will. Yeah, you'll be reading a a piece about like the biggest like throwaway screwball mm-hmm. comedy from the 40s yes. or whatever. And just get this wisdom about life and how people work like it just dropped in your lap. Almost as like just she's giving it away. You know what I mean? She's like yeah. tossing it over her shoulder. That's the best part. It's just yeah. an aside. Often it's like often a, an a parenthetical or something. No, she's she's tremendous. I'm, I, 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 it, it floors me that more people don't read her and don't mm-hmm. read her compulsively. I'm just saying I, I can understand a little bit why she would go into Eclipse just because she was writing every week about, you know, like a contemporaneous phenomenon. Yes. But it's it's a it's it's a shame. She's so good. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about some other yeah, uh, sure. L.A. adjacent writers or writers who spent time in uh, L.A. Um, I love your piece on on the crack up on the Fitzgerald oh, uh, uh, essays. And I want to talk a little bit yeah. about Fitzgerald because yeah. I feel like, you know, I would just speak personally. I was such a little Hemingway boy for yeah, the longest so time. Interesting. And I yeah. reread Gatsby la- uh, last summer. Yeah. And it, I was like it completely in a second. I was like, oh, no, this is He's the guy. It. He's- yeah. He's the guy. This is the girl. Yeah. Like they say in Marlon, <laughs> yeah, this is the girl. No, he's the, oh. And you know what's so interesting? He seems like the old-fashioned figure, and but he, he was so innovative. Mm-hmm. He was the one. He was always experimenting. And um, I mean, he took screenplay writing seriously. I think he's the father of the personal essay, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Oh, I just love him. Yeah. 
and Gatsby, it's Gatsby's endless, endless. You can read, doesn't matter how many times you read it. There's something, you know, like that wild thing where, um, Meyer Wolfsheim works at this, the company with the swastika on it. Oh yeah. And he's writing that in the twenties. How did he know? I it's don't like, know. He, it's a little like the Warhol and Brett thing that we're talking Definitely. about. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, and like the, even just like the car accident too, I feel uh, like is so prescient in a lot of ways where it's just like, it's capturing Long Island at this time where there's like barely roads, you know, yeah. but there is this like post-war, like post-World War One, you know, yeah. uh, wealth and, and enthusiasm that just kind of run amok. It's like, it's amazing what he was able to do. Oh, no, no, it's, no, I, I completely agree. And it's, it's funny because I, I've said this to Brett's face and he laughed. I mean, <laughs> I think he's more talented than he is smart sometimes. Brett is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, but it's like yeah. he has an extra thing that's kind of better. It's like an intuition. Mm-hmm. And Fitzgerald seemed to have that. They just somehow they're able to read what's going on. They yeah. smell it. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put a finer point on it. And I'll, yeah. I'll remind you that in uh, Hollywood's Eve, you yeah. refer to Fitzgerald as America's Proust. Yeah. What For sure mean? he's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right to me. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, it's funny, though. There's I also have to do, there's this song, like, Everything Reminds Me of My Dog. It was like Jane Sibbery. I, I came out in the 90s, meaning this woman singing and everything she likes reminds her of, a, of her dog. Uh-huh. I, I might do that with Fitzgerald. Um, yeah. So if I'm giving someone a compliment, they remind me of Fitzgerald. Right, um, <laughs> right. But um, what's your opinion on Eve? Oh, I love Eve. Okay, good. I mean, yeah, Slow Days. Good. Slow uh, Days is heaven, right? I, I, I mean, I, I don't like keep an actual list like this. Yeah. But I mean, the, uh, among the 10 greatest books I've ever read or books that I've loved the most. You know? <sighs> yeah, that's it. That yeah. you've loved the most. It's so funny because it's like I'm having I'm, – I'm, I have to redo the book, right? I've been doing that for the last year because Evie died in – the Christmas Christmas of last year, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, and in the back of, she really lived in filth, like crazy, crazy, oh, wow. unimaginable filth, unimaginable, unimaginable filth and squalor. And she had that Huntington's. Her brain was crumbling, mm-hmm. and the fire. She never really healed, and she was. It was just insane. That that apartment was insane, just wall to wall filth. Yeah, and you wouldn't have thought anything could have survived that. Except her mother, as it turns out, her mother, who's kind of a preservationist, she did those great drawings of all those kind of cr- buildings that were getting torn down in L.A., mm-hmm. had that preservationist instinct, got Alzheimer's. But before before the Alzheimer's completely took her over, she packed up these boxes of Eve's letters, journals, all this kind of um, writing material and put it in the back of Eve's closet when she moved in 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, it changes everything. It just changes everything. It changes wow. my whole understanding of her. It changes. It's just contemporaneous documents, all this stuff. Anyway, amazing. where I'm going with this is her career is so interesting because I don't like so much of her work. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's I don't. But it's like every star aligned her talent, who is editing the book, the exact right combination of drugs. Yeah. The exact right com- combination of depravity and discipline, everything aligned for that one book. And it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I, I think so. I think for me, it's 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 slow days and it's the nonfiction. It's that it's yeah. that uh, that um, 
I used to be charming, which is an amazing title. It's, it's, it's a, a great title collection of uh, pieces. And this, like, you know, that, that, that piece that opens the book that's about uh, uh, Godfather two uh, production, uh, I feel like has that same kind of flair that, uh, that slow days has. Yeah. You'll find yeah. it definitely. And I, and I love her piece in the, the chic is, is great. Mm-hmm. You'll find it. But I mean, in terms of like a book is just different than a piece. It's just a sustained thing. For sure. You know, and she really could do, I think, I think actually her, I, some of her best writing is in these letters. I just think she, um, she calls it, she has a term for it, spurts. Ah. That's really what she was good at. You know, something quick, quick, quicker. Um, wow. So yeah. wait, so are you, are you working on that stuff? Yeah, pro- I'm just okay. about done. I wow. mean, I thought it was going to take a couple of months, but it's been a year and some change Amazing. now. Amazing. Well, yeah. that's exciting. For, it is. For, for, that's nice of you to say. For fans of the book and of Eve and uh, all that stuff. Yeah. And it's really, it's actually quite a bit about Didion as well, because it just turns out they had a much, a much more intimate relationship than I had realized. Oh. I don't mean, I'm not implying sex. I just mean they, they worked really closely together. Right. Um, Joan yeah. was editing Eve's Hollywood. Wow. It's kind of a wild thing. I didn't know we'd come out with a scoop on this show today. Who I thought knew? we'd just chat for a while. <laughs> That's so who, exciting. Who, who knew? I know. <laughs> but it, but she was like a great I all I also thought this too, like the LA I was always looking for was the LA of the past. Mm-hmm. You know. That was just always what I was looking for. You know, I, I loved um You'll Never Eat Lunch in This Town Again. And Oh yes. I mean an amazing book. Of yeah. course, you know, in Sunset Boulevard and you know, that's always kind of what you're looking for. And Eve was this weird passport to all of that, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's so that's what is so riveting about the book, too, is that you really you really feel like you're there. I mean, yeah, like, I know there are, I mean, just these stories about just like about like Harrison Ford, like sleeping with nine people a day and stuff like that. I'm just like, oh, give where, more, 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 more. Like, <laughs> I'm ready. I remember when I said to her, I said nine women and she said, no, I said nine people. I said, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know what she meant. You know, but it was just like, you know, like she would just be so specific. Yeah, she was just great. Um, No, in in these, actually the letters, she was great to always, always, always to talk to because she said things. I remember this was just so, I was doing a piece for um, BF on um, the Bobbits, you know, the penis. Yeah, sure. And I remember I, we were on the phone and I just said, hey, you know, you and Lorena Bobbitt have the same birthday. And she's quiet and she says, how unfortunate for us both. You know, she just would be funny, you know, little yeah. little offhand comments like that. But ba- but basically I was dealing with somebody whose brain was actually just falling apart. And I could right. hear it in the audio, you know, when I listened back, like mm. she was more fluid. I mean, she was still in terrible shape when I met her in um, 2012. But yeah. I mean, my God, by 2016, it was just mush. Yeah. Well, so. I think it, if I could throw a compliment your way for a second, that would uh, be so. That would be lovely. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like that's part of why it, w- what makes the book so compelling is like you're very um, upfront about the fact that like the the, the quote unquote like real story cannot be no. reconstructed just because of how unreliable our narrator uh, uh, is. I mean, both you and Eve, you know, yeah, you the because two of us, right? Exactly. But it's also like the the truths that you get at, I feel like, are larger than facts in a lot of ways. Uh, you know yeah, what I mean? I totally do. And yeah. it's, it's funny too now because, you know, having these kind of letters that, that she wrote so many letters. And I actually think what the mother saved was her unsent letters. Mm. And Janet Malcolm is quite good on this, the genre of the unsent letter, because it's a letter that you, lots of us have thrown out things we've written. This is something you didn't throw out. You thought it was worth preserving, but you wouldn't send it. So it's like you're really writing the letter to the future. Yeah. Um, and Evie was, um, he, this is true of Pauline. They they seem really candid, but they're actually quite private and opaque. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
So understanding them in an emotional way is, 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 is difficult and takes a lot of work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you have, yeah. there's, there's a description that you have of her that I felt like, uh, to me was like it, it, tremendously insightful, both about you specifically, but also I feel like there are a lot of people you meet in your life who fit this, this description where it's like yeah. they seem very social, but the, you, I think the, the specific phrasing is, uh, um, inwardly solitary. Yeah. Uh, where it's like they're fine if they're there, they're fine if they're not there. Yeah. That's right. I think that's so true about, I mean, I can think of specific people who I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what was going on with, them, you know, <laughs> well, almost anything when interesting, I actually think might be that way or anyone artistic would be that way, because what you do is really what you do in private. Right. And that's kind of where you actually live your maybe most vivid life, mm-hmm. you know, alone in your brain and in private. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's also am- amazing, too, because, <laughs> you know, like there is this weird feeling, too, like I'm still doing the research parts of it and. It's also like, this sounds like I'm, I'm bragging. I don't mean it like that. Um, but maybe, pe- because maybe as you get a little more attention, I mean, it's like, it's hardly, you know, it's hardly like I'm any great shakes, but like as you get more <laughs> attention, also people seek you out to tell you things and are sure. also more willing to, it's just a funny thing. Mm-hmm. Like I know Griffin done now fairly well. And it's like, he's great. He's amusing, super smart. And he was there. And when he'll tell you things, and he's and he's got all his marbles. He's not an old guy. Right, but right. He was there for everything. I mean, not only was he sleeping with Eve when he was really young, but like Joan and John had him at all their a lot of their parties. Right. You know, when he was only fourteen or fifteen, it's just so. It's like access counts for so much. You yeah. need access, right? <laughs> yeah. And as your access increases, you understand things better. Like I could never have done that Bennington podcast if I hadn't known Brett for eight years. And yeah, that's very funny thing with him because. He knows and I know what I'm doing. I do not drink and I am endlessly curious and he knows me and he drinks and we are always meeting for dinners <laughs> and he knows what I'm doing and I know what I'm doing <laughs> and he knows I will not forget, <laughs> you know, so it's like this funny thing, you know, and and I'm, you know, so it's like this funny thing, like this funny little dance, like it's, it's this weird feeling like we're somebody will maybe let you violate them, I yeah. guess, is really what it feels like, you know? Right. And that's what it feels like with him. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. He knows. Right. He knows. He's complicit. Yes, he yeah. is, you know? <laughs> I feel like it's a dangerous thing to say these days, but he knows what I'm about. And it's like, but it's like you're both social and you're friends and he's also my subject and it right. doesn't stop. Sure, you know? sure. And my curiosity about him really is endless. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's such a compelling figure he's so interesting and then sometimes i'll find out like he's also very good at not tipping his hand if he's ever curious about you but i'm friends with his boyfriend you know i know todd and like things about me that i would not think are interesting like i don't drink but i take nyquil every night otherwise i won't sleep and this interests brett (laughs) he would never tell me this his boyfriend will tell me and then like funny things like um right before covid um it would have been the night before Valentine's Day 2020. Yeah. And I was at a dinner with him and a couple of other people. And then I took like a 6 a.m. flight to get home. I wanted to get home to, you know, my family. And my son, my older boy was in first grade at that time. And there was a note on my pillow when I got home. And it says something like, dear mom, you know, misspelled. It's, you know, crazy little kid writing. And it says something nice in the first sentence, like you are warm and cuddly or something like that. And then it goes, I know you are having sex with Brett Easton Ellis. (laughs) Don't lie to me. <laughs> you know, and it said, 
you know, it just went into him being gay, but maybe not all that gay. And then it said, and, and I want you to take me to the Natural History Museum and I'll have no arguing. But I remember I, I said it to Brett and I didn't even think he was listening. And then um, his boyfriend, you know, wanted to see the note. So, you know, things catch his attention, but he's really good at not tipping you off at, at, at what he likes yeah. or what amuses him or what oh captures his interest. Oh, that's perfect. That's great. Yeah, it was, I have it framed, you know, it was such a good yeah, note. Yeah, you should. You should. Oh, that's great. Well, we only have about, you know, a, a little over five minutes left. Sure. Uh, so I, I want to rapid fire through my sure, last couple of, of these. Uh, and I want to make sure I get to everything because there are so many people I want to talk to you about. And one is this is a guy who I love, who I know uh, uh, about from from reading uh, our friend Jim's work. Yeah, uh, sure. Which And he's kind of all over yours as well, which is Dave Hickey. Oh, Do you want to take Hickey. just like two minutes and talk about how yeah. great Dave Hickey is? Because I would love to. Uh <laughs> Dave Hickey is heaven. He he's like with Janet Malcolm. Like I found him late, and I just mm-hmm. love him. He writes great, super swinging. He he's from the art world. Dead recently. Um, yeah. um, in the rock and roll world, I'd say he's from the art and rock and roll world, and he's really an essayist. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's personal, and it's just super hip. I mean his his piece on Robert Mitchum is one of my favorite. Yeah. It's heaven, right? And it's his, awesome. In the book, his, my two favorite are his pieces on Robert Mitchum and Bill Claxton. I think they are both in The Perfect Wave. Yes. Air Guitar is most people's favorite of his works. My favorite is Perfect Wave. Yeah. I, I'm a Pirates and Farmers Pirates man. and Farmers yeah. is so good, too. Yeah. It's so good. Is that... Which is, he does one on an essay on Waylon Jennings, which I really love. That is in, that's in Pirates and Farmers. Pirates and yeah, Farmers. Yeah. yeah, it's all great. It's all of a piece and he is sensational. Yeah. And, it, and, and he knew Evie. He had tried yes. to resurrect Eve before I did and she told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> which I always loved. And he let me interview him a bunch. He's great. Oh, it's so cool. The other one, uh, I, I I know that uh, uh, our friend Jim Walcott's memoir is important to both of us. Oh, and, uh, I love uh, that memoir. It, I, I've read it four times. He, I, he I can't get me, enough of it. He makes me laugh. The, the, the opening section on the on working at the on the uh, uh, the the village voice. Yeah, I I've, I can't believe. I always think you know, clueless. I already alluded to once, but <laughs> I loved that movie. You know, and I was I was a sixteen year old virgin who couldn't drive when it came out. And I always think of this line. She talks about her father, who's a big litigator. Yeah, and she says, "That's my dad. You know, he's really scary. You know, he charges <laughs> you know three hundred an hour, but he fights with me for free." <laughs> and I always think that when I'm getting emails from Jim, you know, yeah. I would pay three hundred an hour to write emails with him. One hundred percent. I mean, yeah. just I mean, <laughs> I'll just say too. Yeah. Just his emails are funny to to receive. He's always got the perfect line. He's a beautiful writer. He really yeah. can write. To nobody can write anymore. He's yes. such a good writer. I know that he's just giving. I, I feel lucky. You know, he's just giving it away like that for it's free. This little email to me. Oh, incredibly Fights generous. With me for free. Yeah, yeah that's what you got to think every time you get your hair from him. <laughs> And he's so modest. Actually, one of my favorite things he does conversationally is that he loves to imitate people's voices, but yes. he's not good at it. <laughs> and every imitation, man, woman, smart, dumb, wah, 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 he does that weird <laughs> voice, you know? Yeah. But he's great. The, the last best. time the last time I saw him, he took a stab at uh, Roman from Succession. <laughs> <laughs> wah, 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 wah. He'll give him like a very dumb voice no matter who he's doing. It was so great. Oh, yeah. But you know what? We We're go. done. We got to start wrapping up the show. It was so fun to talk to you. Uh, would you uh, just really quickly before yeah. we go, uh, do me the biggest favor in the sure. world and give me a, a clean. This is Liliana. Like you're listening to Clear the Dance Floor on Radio Free Brooklyn. Clear the Dance Floor. Clear the Dance okay. Floor. I can't do it. Now you're making me laugh. <laughs> I know it's my phone sex voice. Yeah, yeah. I know. I can't do it. I can't. Okay. I, I'm too. This is. 
I can't do it. You can leave me a voicemail. I'll leave you a voicemail. I I, I need to do it in the privacy of my own own home. I got an email. I actually got an email from Larry David. I had done a profile Mm -hmm. of him. Yeah. And he out of the blue just. Yeah, that's so nice, Colby. <laughs> he just out of the blue emailed me because his assistant had put the Tracy Lords podcast on and he yeah. just thought it was such a good phone sex voice. That's so funny. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Th- I, on that note. I know. I can't imagine great. a better note to end on. Thank you so much for coming today. Such My a pleasure. pleasure to talk to you. And uh, folks, uh, keep that dial tuned to Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, uh, Legendary Air is coming up shortly. In the meantime, here's Patty Smith. See ya. Okay, we're